SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We have said it once. We'll say it again. Actually, we've said it a couple times, but we'll continue to reiterate it. A glorious Sports Tuesday here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. Two hours gone way too fast, but you know what they say. Time flies when you're having fun with old K-dubs when the morning after is the early after. But we still have a ton of fun in store in happy hour now here on TMA. In this third and final hour, we'll get you set for what is a glorious sports Tuesday because of the five college football bowl games that we have on the docket. Connor O'Gara making his return from Saturday down south to break down the two SEC games that we have on the slate today. And of course, just a couple of days from now, two SEC teams in the fold in the college football playoff. We get Connor's thoughts on how the CFP stacks up at the moment Tuesday as we get ready for Friday, New Year's Eve, in the college football playoff. Also, Bill Krakenberger, one of the sharpest in the industry, joins us at the end of this hour to break it down and give you the insight that only Crack can. He'll do that here on the morning after. In the We welcome in our West Coast audience, get you caught up on what you need to know entering this wonderful Sports Tuesday. Let's do that in the association. A couple of NBA things you need to know about the two teams that play out in L.A. The Clippers in action last night for their first appearance in Crypto.com Arena. The Clippers hosting the Brooklyn Nets, 124-108. The final score for Brooklyn last night. The Nets, two games in the Crypt or Crypto.com Arena. It might be called the Crypt. I might have started that. I don't think so. And they have won two games. Brooklyn winning last night, covering as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, a final score, 124-108 over Los Angeles. James Harden had a 30-point triple-double on Christmas Day against the Lakers. James Harden last night was absolutely outstanding as well. 39 points, 15 assists, 8 rebounds for the Nets in that victorious effort over the Clippers. The total of 215, by the way, goes over for both the Nets and the Clips. Patty Mills, a name you need to know for Brooklyn, especially as they are certainly seeming on the tail end of their COVID issues. KD could be activated out of the health and safety protocols later this week, but Patty Mills has been tremendous, really, all year long. 18 points last night, last night, 6 of 13 from deep. Brooklyn has been a favorite in 27 of 32 games this year. They are 23-9 and nine straight up, 10-16-1 against the number as a favorite, but they have won two straight in L.A., covering in two straight on Christmas as an underdog winning outright against the Lakers last night as a three and a half point favorite against the Clippers and buried in some of the highlights that we saw from the Christmas Day slate in the actual five games that we had was the news surrounding Los Angeles the Clippers are going to be without Paul George for the foreseeable future a torn ligament in his elbow and of course the Clips already without Kawhi Leonard who has not played this year after getting injured in a torn ACL last year in the postseason by all estimates Kawhi might not be back until the postseason so you need to know that about Los Angeles as things move forward the other team that plays in LA the Lake Show on the road tonight the Lakers in Houston trying to snap a five game losing skid 
this time against the Houston Rockets. The Lakers, a five-point favorite as of right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The latest check of the over-under is at 226. Line fluctuations in a big way early in the morning, even of game day of an NBA slate. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here in this third and final very happy hour on a wonderful Sports Tuesday. I am Ben Stevens. You are listening on Sirius XM, Channel 159, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. And this is our West Coast wake-up. So again, the Lakers trying to snap a five-game losing skid on the road tonight against the Houston Rockets. The Lakers, a five-point favorite. Only one cover, by the way, in this five-game skid, and that came as an underdog a couple of games ago. The Lakers, the worst ATS record in all of the NBA, 12-2 and against the number so far this season. Houston's just 10-24 and straight up. Not a great basketball team, a young basketball team, a lot of pieces in place, but still a young basketball team. 10 and 24 straight up this year, but 16, 17 and one against the number. Now, Houston has lost four straight as well. Both teams kind of reeling at the moment. Houston has not covered in this four game losing streak entirely as well. So they've been a dog in 29 of 34 games this year, including 11 of the last 12 games. And meanwhile, Houston has gone over in five of its last six games. Houston last night as an eight-point dog against the Charlotte Hornets, lost by 24 points. The Lakers, meanwhile, have gone over in three of their last four games. So it's a lofty total that has come down now to 226, but would not be surprised to see some points tonight if the Lakers are going to get back in the win column. By the way, LeBron James, 50-1 to to win the NBA MVP. Seems like very long odds and some potential value on LBJ. Of course, the King probably doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Could he win this award unless the Lakers storm all the way back to be a top two seed in the West? Most likely not. But 50-1 to right now on LeBron, who has had four straight games of 30 or more points, has scored 30-plus in seven of the last 10. Keep an eye on those future odds for LeBron in the MVP market. Keep an eye, by the way, on the Western Conference odds as well. The Lakers were the preseason favorites at plus 195. Now market movement against them to plus 550, the fourth shortest odds. The Clippers had the second best odds to win the West earlier this season at plus 550. No PG, no Kawhi. Now the Clips, $4.5 of movement against them, 10 to 1 in the Western Conference, tied for the fifth shortest odds with the Denver Nuggets. Hasn't been great for the two teams that play their basketball in Los Angeles as of late in the association. A glorious sports Tuesday because of college football. Connor O'Gara joins us next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. College football. Yeah. College football, front and center this week, the most glorious time of the year in bowl season. And at the end of this week, on Friday, on New Year's Eve, the college football playoff, the two semifinal matchups, Cincinnati and Alabama. Who's the underdog? If you ask Will Anderson, it might be the Tide. If you ask everybody else, it's Cincinnati. And then a defensive display between Georgia and Michigan in the nightcap on New Year's Eve. So joining us now here on the morning after on this Tuesday, Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens and joined by 
Connor O'Gara, a national football columnist for Saturday Down South. You have seen Connor throughout the entirety of this college football season, covering all of college football, especially the SEC, with the best of them. COG, a pleasure to have you back on a Tuesday on TMA. I hope you had a lovely holiday weekend. Yes, I did. And, you know, it's great to be back. And it feels like bowl season is really going to start to pick up this week. I know we've been talking a lot about bowl games getting canceled left and right, but I'm happy to be able to watch football this week. And what's more American than being able to flip on the Birmingham Bowl at noon on a Tuesday? This is the type of stuff that we need to appreciate as college football fans because not everybody's that lucky. Absolutely so, Connor. Very, very well said. Five bowl games on this Tuesday slate, including two SEC teams in action. We'll break that down coming up in our second segment together. Connor O'Gara here on the morning after. But first, Connor, let's start to look forward to Friday. The college football playoff semifinals, Alabama and Cincinnati, number one versus number four, number two, Michigan versus number three, Georgia. Let's begin with the Tide and the Bearcats. Now, Cincinnati is a 13-and-a-half-point underdog, according to the betting lines, but according to Will Anderson, that certainly stirred the pot a little bit on social media yesterday. Alabama has been overlooked all year, and he feels like they're the underdog in that matchup. First, my initial reaction, Nick Saban is doing a great, great job speaking to his team. Speaking of that rat poison, I think Will Anderson, not just for his overwhelming production on the field, but because of his mentality with the media, probably Nick Saban's favorite player. I just picture Alabama players. I know they're playing this game in Arlington. It's at AT&T Stadium. It's Jerry World. But I picture every single Alabama player, Will Anderson included, is actually working out right now in Russia, and it's getting ready to face <laughs> Ivan Drago. And this is just Rocky Four all over again. Because that is the mindset he has. Because if you actually think that Alabama is the underdog in this game, you're out of your mind. And you'd have to go back to 2002 to find either a national championship or a college football play. I guess we're including college football playoff semifinal games as well. So you'd have to find, uh, I guess, yeah, that's 19 years to go back to find a, a time mm -hmm. in which uh, a double-digit underdog has won a national championship or a game with national championship implications. So, uh, yes, yeah, Cincinnati is a, a major, major underdog. We haven't seen like a, a group of five team have national championship, uh, national championship pass since 1984 BYU. So, yes, Cincinnati, the first group of five team to ever make the college football playoff is an underdog. But look, like, let's, let's not under, underrate Cincinnati and what it brings to the table here. Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, yeah, that Kobe Bryant. Arguably the best cornerback duo in all of college football. Alabama going to be without John Mechie in this game. I think that's why that line is a little bit smaller than maybe what some were expecting. And mm -hmm. some saying, oh, Alabama's going to win this game by four touchdowns. There is an advantage that Cincinnati has. And I think that's different than what Georgia presented to Alabama in the SEC championship. Yeah, I expected to see some line movement come this week when the games were on the horizon just a couple of days away, but I thought it actually worked in Alabama's favor. Dropped by the hook from a number at two touchdowns, 14 points, now to 13 and a half in favor of the Tide. So, Connor, I think the conversation is here, right? Not can Cincinnati pull off the outright upset as you look at the odds. Certainly an indication Alabama at least wins this game to advance to another national championship. But how does Cincinnati cover, or on the other side, how do the Crimson Tide cover a two-touchdown spread? 
I think Cincinnati covers by making this ugly, really ugly. And I, I think a low-scoring game is kind of what favors the Bearcats. Now, Alabama has won that type of game this year, and I think Alabama is going to be able to win, of course, coming back the way that they did in the Iron Bowl, having to win some of these games ugly like they did against LSU, like they kind of did against Florida as well when the offense really couldn't get going. I think Alabama is built to win a variety of football games, but Cincinnati, if it is able to establish balance, which is so important against an Alabama run defense that has just been lights out ever since that Florida yeah. game, that is the key for Cincinnati being able to make this a true fourth quarter game. And the idea of Cincinnati making it a four quarter game isn't crazy. I mean, six of eight SEC games that Alabama played, it's one score game in the fourth quarter. So why can't the number four team in college football do the same exact thing? It is certainly possible. I, I think that Cincinnati has to get Jerome Ford going, the former Alabama running back. He doesn't want to be called the former Alabama running back, but he is just that. So I, I think that there are a lot of people looking at this saying, oh, Cincinnati's going to get blown out. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I still think Alabama's going to win. I actually think Alabama's going to cover and win this one 27-10. But I do think that mm. Cincinnati is going to hang around for a bit. And it's going to be one of those games which are kind of like, wow, it's a bit of a grind for Alabama offensively. Jerome Ford has been fantastic all year. Highlighted by his performance in the AAC title game. 18 carries, 179 yards, or excuse me, 187 yards, two touchdowns. Highlighted in that performance by a 79-yard rushing touchdown right there in the first quarter to really break things open for Cincy in that game against Houston in their conference championship game. Now, Connor, I got this stat from you, but can you please remind us? Because you just predicted Alabama to cover, win this game by 17 points, 27-10. to 10. Can you please remind all of the listeners out there and watching this about the CFP semifinal history and how often the games have a very large scoring margin? Yeah, so if we want to talk about the, I think the average margin of defeat in these games is what, like 19 points or something like that? Or mm -hmm. maybe that that's just the number with Oklahoma and Notre Dame. But these semifinal games are very often blowouts. And if anybody is sitting there saying, oh, you know, Cincinnati getting blown out, which shows they don't belong. Look, I was there at the Peach Bowl in 2019. That Oklahoma team felt like it was a group of five team and a bad one against LSU. There is no way that you should be reserving judgment on Cincinnati based on what they do against Alabama. Alabama rolls in this game. All right, cool. So it's like every, basically every other semifinal that we've seen. Like Go back to 2014 Florida State with Jameis Winston, a team that got demolished in that semifinal against Oregon when Florida State was kind of hanging by a thread the entire regular season. So I don't want to hear this notion that Cincinnati doesn't belong. Cincinnati deserved its spot in the college football playoff. And if you're holding on to these tweets in the drafts, waiting to just clown on Cincinnati, I, quite frankly, you're a loser. And like, you need to find a different hobby to besides banging the drum for the power five. Let's appreciate this game for what it is. Absolutely so. A historic moment in the history of college football and especially the college football playoff. Nonetheless, that's Cincinnati, the first ever group of five team into the CFP. Connor, we'll have to dive more into Georgia and Michigan on the other side of the break. But the initial line movement we have seen in favor of the Wolverines. Now just a seven and a half point spread against Georgia. How much defense do you expect in that game? A whole lot. I really do. I think Georgia's defense is going to be the star of the show. And I'll save that for 
for the next segment here. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily think I, I'm really intrigued by by that over under. I would I would give mm. a slight lean to the under on that. I have 44 as the the total points scored in this one. But I think defenses are going to be the star of the show. I, I don't really expect Cade McNamara and Stetson Bennett to go off in this one. I think if you look at the, both of those matchups and what they're facing, it's going to be a really tall task for them to be able to sustain scoring drives. So, yeah, I'll give you a little teaser there. I do like the under leading into that one. I think both defenses are going to be ready to go. The two top scoring defenses in all of college football. Georgia first, allowing their opponents to score less than 10 points per game. Michigan tied for the second best scoring defense, just about 16 points per game to their opponent. We continue to break down the CFP in the five bowl games we have on this Tuesday. Next year on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are getting ready for a huge week, a huge day in college football five bowl games on this tuesday and of course this week capped off by the college football playoff i am ben stevens joined by connor o'gara for a second straight segment here on this tuesday edition of the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 and all across the sports grid network so connor and i just thoroughly broke down the first matchup that we have in the cotton bowl between number one alabama and number four cincinnati now time for the nightcap on New Year's Eve evening in tonight. Hopefully it leads you into a wonderful New Year's Eve celebration. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Georgia. The point that Connor stressed, and I think you can see evidence by this over-under at 45 right now. We're talking a defensive display. Georgia, of course, one of the most dominant defenses we have seen in the past couple of decades in college football. Alabama scored 41 in the SEC championship game, and Georgia still only allowing, on average through their 13 games, 9.8 points per game to their opponent. Michigan tied for the second best scoring defense in the country, just about 16 points per game. So, Connor, you said you were fascinated by that over-under. Which way do you lean because of the defense we might see on Friday night? Slightly under. Very, very slightly under. And I think that if you're trying to figure out what's going to be the strength of this game, what would you have more faith in than anything else? You could go with Aiden Hutchinson and you could say, hey, that guy is going to get his. He's been unstoppable all year. No problem with that. But if I'm coming back to one thing, it is Georgia responding after that SEC championship embarrassment and feasting on the, as Nick Saban would call it, the yummy rat poison. I think Dan Lanning, even though he's splitting a little bit of that, those duties that he's got now as the Oregon head coach, I think he taps into that mindset. And I think we see a Georgia defense that comes out feeling like it's disrespectful. You want to talk about being like considered the underdog or feeling like, hey, it's kind of us against the world, the Will Anderson mindset. Georgia kind of should have that after what happened against Alabama. And taking that anger, that frustration out against Michigan, man, I have to think that that group is going to be ready to go. I think it frustrated them that they were not able to sack Bryce Young one time. To borrow the, the MJ meme, yeah, I took that personally. I think that's going to be the mindset of N'Kobe Dean, Jalen Carter, 
all of these guys who have been told all year, hey, you guys are incredible. Oh, actually now, really, uh, you know what? We don't really think you're as good as you were hyped up to be, and we think you feasted on some weaker competition. I think Michigan struggles. I think they struggle offensively no matter what quarterback they put in. If it's McNamara, if it's J.J. McCarthy, I think that this group of running backs that has been so dominant all year, I think they're able to run the ball a little bit, but I don't think they're able to run the ball and impose their will in the way that they did against the likes of Ohio State and Iowa. I think Georgia's defense shows up ready to go, and I think that under barely hits. The eighth-best rushing offense in the country, the Michigan Wolverines, nearly 224 yards per game on the ground. But Georgia's rushing defense, top three in the country, only allowing about 83 yards per game. So let me ask you about the quarterback breakdown for the Georgia Bulldogs. Of course, we saw Stetson Bennett in that SEC championship game against Alabama, as we have seen Stetson Bennett for a good majority of this year for UGA. Do you think throughout this CFB Bowl prep, that we have seen anything different in Athens. Might it be JT Daniels and Kirby Smart making a change at quarterback? Waiting on Kirby Smart to make a quarterback change is like waiting on the world to change. All right? it's At this point, why should we expect it? We shouldn't. And I don't know how much JT Daniels and the positive COVID test impacted his ability to prep for this game and if that was going to, uh, if that swayed Kirby Smart at all. I don't think so. I think he loves Stetson Bennett. And I think he's going to double down and triple down at every opportunity that he gets. The only way in which JT Daniels, in my opinion, plays in this game with meaningful snaps is if Georgia is behind two scores, three scores in the second half. That's it. Otherwise, he's already told us his hand. He's already shown it to us. He said, Stetson Bennett is my guy. I don't care if JT Daniels is healthy or not. Stetson is my guy, and he is going to try and see if he can will that program to a national championship. Now, I, I think he's going to get some more help in this game on the outside. Brock Bowers looked like the only guy who could stay on the field with Alabama in the SEC championship. I think we see more snaps from Kiaris Jackson, who's been banged up all year. George Pickens, who was playing in his second game back in the SEC championship. I think we see more snaps from him, and his ability to stretch the field is so pivotal for what Stetson Bennett is trying to do. It was fun to talk about Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey as the go-to targets for this team, but they need other guys to step up, Jermaine Burton included, if Stetson is going to have any chance winning this football game. Georgia, a favorite in all but one game this year. That was the opening game against Clemson. As a favorite, 7-5 ATS, the Georgia Bulldogs, covering by an average margin of six points per game. And there were a lot of lofty spreads in the dogs' favor. Michigan as an underdog just two times this year, winning outright in both games by at least 15 points in both of those contests. So, Connor, forgive me if I missed it, but your final score prediction for the second CFP semi between Michigan and Georgia is what? If you just did some quick math there and kind of read between the lines, you would have been able to uh, figure out that I got Georgia winning this game 27 to 17. And cool. look, I, I think it stays close. I think this is a, a very competitive football game with two teams that play very similar styles and they want game script to work in their favor. And I've talked about the live betting lines for this one and how important I think that is. Yeah, Georgia got up 10 to nothing in that ICC championship, but it was so early in that game. It was different than typical, you know, what, what a typical two score lead is, especially when you got Bryce Young on the opposite sideline. Michigan doesn't have Bryce Young. 
They just don't. And I don't think that they're able to have the offensive firepower needed in this game without Ronnie Bell. Having that offensive firepower against this Georgia defense to be able to really push that secondary is what it takes to beat a Kirby Smart defense. And I think that the Dogs are able to, to get that, that two-score lead kind of late in this one. And they're able to squeeze out a very hard-fought victory. Not exactly a game in which Georgia fans are all of a sudden saying, oh, Stetson Bennett is the answer. And they're going to be able to beat Alabama in a national championship. But a win nonetheless. And Georgia goes to its second national championship game in five years. 27-17, a UGA cover of a current seven-and-a-half point spread. Slightly under a total at 45, but it opened at 43 in a hook for Georgia and Michigan. So always important where you get those numbers. You mentioned it. Alabama's still the favorite right now on FanDuel to win the Natty, plus 120. Georgia just behind them at plus 140. There is an early look-ahead line that if a potential SEC title game rematch is going to happen for the national championship, Georgia would be a slight favorite, maybe as a way to get some Alabama or to get some because they know they're going to get Alabama money, maybe flipping it over to Georgia as the dog there. Anyway, let's go to the games that we have today. Two out of the five bowl games today on this Tuesday, Connor, featuring an SEC team, including the one that kicks off in just about 30 minutes in Birmingham between Auburn and number 20, Houston. A very short spread, just a point and a half in favor of the Tigers. How do you break down this matchup? I'm blown away that Auburn is a favorite in this game. I, I truly am. Yep. I, I, I think it is, is stunning to see that Auburn, a team that has not scored a touchdown in the third or fourth quarter since mid-October, is a favorite against a Houston team that won 11 consecutive games. Should it be Texas Tech? Played all right against Cincinnati, but it's Cincinnati. They're number four team in the country. They're going to college football playoff. I think Dana Holgerson's team is going to be ready to go. And I don't know that Auburn necessarily has the offensive pieces outside of Think Bigsby to win this football game. If Auburn falls behind, I don't want TJ Finley making those big-time decisions. We don't even know who's going to be calling plays for Auburn. Brian Harson has kept that very close to the vest ever since firing Mike Bobo at the end of the regular season. And quite frankly, I, I have no idea what to expect from this Auburn football team who just completely fell apart in the month of November, dating back to blowing that 28-3 lead against Mississippi State. So I think Houston wins this game. I think Houston wins this game big. Not only do they cover, you know, plus two, I think they win this game by three scores. I think the Cougars are going to be the team that's more motivated, and I think that they're ready to go. And they're probably a better team overall right now, so maybe the motivation thing shouldn't even really be a part of the conversation. Auburn lost four straight to end out the regular season. And because of all of that, Connor, the line has flipped on FanDuel. It's now Auburn as the one-and-a-half-point underdog. Houston, a mm. one-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under, 50-and-a-half. The Cougs lost two games this year. In the opener to Texas Tech, in a game Houston probably should have won. And then, of course, in the AAC title game against the team in the college football playoff in Cincinnati. I think it's Houston's game. And now I think the line more fairly represents that. One and a half points in the number 20 team in the country, Houston's favor. Then the Pirate Ship Bowl, the Mike Leach Bowl between Texas Tech and Mississippi State. Mike Leach currently the coach of Mississippi State. They are a nine and a half point favorite against his former school that he does not feel great tidings for in the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Do you think Mississippi State can cover that big number with the motivation led by their skipper? Absolutely. 
this is an empty the bag game for Mike Leach. And oh, we've yeah. seen the tweets. We've seen his reaction to this whole thing. You want to talk about a bowl game that matters to someone? Mike Leach is going into this bowl game knowing that this is the opportunity he's been waiting for. And what's the number? $2.4 million, $2.6 million that he believes he's owed yep. from Texas Tech for the way that he was fired. I, I think that if, if Mississippi State wins this game, he should be able to collect that and then just disperse it to his team. You know, this is the NIL era. Let's make it happen. I think Will Rogers is phenomenal. He's going to come back in 2022 as one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. This is the type of game that Bulldog fans should be licking their lips because Mike Leach is going to be ready to go against a Texas Tech team that has an interim coach. Yes, I absolutely expect Mississippi State to win and cover in this one. I think that the dogs from Starkville are going to put up a 50-burger. They throw the ball 73% of the time, the highest passing play percentage in college football, maybe a Mississippi State team total. Connor, it was so much fun, so much college football. You're the best. More of the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I'm Ben Stevens. Now, very pleased to welcome on one of the sharpest minds in the entire industry. It is Bill Krakenberger from the Crack Wins app, where if you miss any of the expertise and insight he gives out in the next couple of minutes here on the morning after, you can find it there. Crack, great to have you here on this Tuesday. I hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. I did. I did. I had a great holiday weekend with the family, and uh, that's the most important, but also had a really big weekend in sports uh, on a limited schedule. There's not a lot of things to uh, to really send out, but I had a really good week, and, and the NFL this year has just been uh, unbelievable for myself and my guys. I, I gave out a, a correlated parlay in, in um, something that a lot of the sports books actually do do take, surprisingly. Um uh, you know, by saying this, I hope they don't. <laughs> they decide to stop taking it. I've only done it a couple times this year. I'm two and one doing it. You kind of give out the like a first half parlay, like uh, Tampa Bay and over or something like that. When you you need a big favorite, obviously you need a big. Which by the way, some big favorites this weekend. So you, you need a big yeah. favorite, and uh, you you would actually take the first half and and, and over, uh, thinking that, or you could actually do it on the same thing on the under if you like the underdog on the under. So. Uh, again, big, big week for my guys up about 20 some units in NFL this year, which I always, you know, talked about being so unbeatable every year. Um, it, it was I'm really happy that, that uh, it, it's been it's been a couple really good years of uh, I decided to venture into NFL first half totals, a couple of these correlated parlays, some teasers kind of got away from teasers a little bit, though, uh, especially this second half of the season. You, you just the, the juice is too much on these teasers that um, that that a lot of the sports books are are, are un, unfortunately charging. So uh, and and the teasers don't play true a lot of the times too. You know the old adage of teasing games down. It was a basic strategy teaser actually. Not you don't have to even know who the teams are uh, going down through the seven and three teasing down an eight and a half or a, uh, to nine nine point favorite 
or nine and a half underneath the seven, underneath the three to the two, two and a half, which I've been doing for 25 plus years. And it's only been brought to light about the last decade, last 10 years used to be easy money. It's not as easy money, especially what's going on here right now with the NFL. Yeah, crack. This year has been wild in the NFL. Now we have five teams that have clinched a playoff berth in the NFC, but entering this past weekend, it was only one team. There's only one team that's clinched a berth in the AFC postseason picture, that being the number one overall seed right now in the Kansas City Chiefs. So with all of the uncertainty we have seen in the NFL, I still think people mostly look side, then probably total, and then maybe the props. But how do you explain it to people when there's so much uncertainty and so much craziness where the best value might be? You know, a shout out to FanDuel real quick. You said something that I cashed yesterday. I had a seven. I had seven thousand. I had two tickets: one for five and one for two thousand. A five thousand and a seven thousand dollar ticket on Kansas City Chiefs to win the division. And uh, I noticed that in my app, which I had Dallas to win the division, they paid me right away. Which a lot of the sites wait until the end of the season. Uh, FanDuel did not. They paid on the Dallas to win the division. So I, I had I had physical tickets on uh, on Kansas City to win the division. Went down to the fan duel over at Bally's and they cashed my ticket already. It's, it's good. Get the customers back in action. So uh, shout out to FanDuel for that. Um, anyway, going back to what you said about the uncertainty uh, this season, boy, I tell you, um, you just, I, I look at a game like Detroit last week, which I had no rooting interest, but it was brought to light from a couple different people. Detroit lions were playing Atlanta. Atlanta was up. I think it was 21, 14. It was by seven points. With two minutes and 48 seconds, I think it was, left in the game, instead of Detroit, a team that's obviously going nowhere, uh, with Atlanta, but you'd think that they would, of course, tie, you know, try to go for the, I'm not going to say game time, because they would have went for two, but you'd think they would have gone for a game-winning field, uh, I'm sorry, game-winning touchdown at the end of the game. But yet, with under three minutes left, the end of the, you know, here we are, I've only a couple games left of the season. You're playing for nothing. Detroit decides to go for a field goal, which, of course, impacted the spread. A lot of the people laid five and a half, six points, and, and this field goal, it, it, it was terribly perplexing. I put up a, uh, a tweet last night because I'm not one, Ben, that listens to every Everyone in sports books every given weekend says the same thing. Games are fixed. This was a fix. This was a, they're always saying they're fixes, of course, because – they lose because of something they feel that could be misperceived. You know, it, it's perceived wrong. It, maybe something happened. They said, oh, that, it has to be a fix. I couldn't have lost this. So people that lose sometimes complain. And not sometimes. It's literally every weekend that, that I hear this in a sports book if I'm out. So that is normally, you know, I kind of laugh it off. And, you know, I even say, all right, buddy, you know, whatever. They come to me with questions or something. This game just made me think a little bit, not fix, but that's too strong of a word. I don't, I don't use that word. I don't like that word. It's, it's, it's that, Listen, that happens once every 10, 20 years with a situation in life. It, it's, it doesn't happen. So, but, but I understand why people do think that with a game like this, there's no reason to kick a field goal. Unless you look at draft choice in the, in, in implications. And mm. that's probably what they had going on. And yet they were going down for the winning touchdown at the end. They didn't get it, but there's probably some games here the next two weeks that uh, there might be some live wagering opportunities 
on yeah. uh, you, should, you should just listen. Follow your social media. Follow uh, your, your like I said to you last week. Have those uh, notifications turned on and what's going on in the NFL. Uh, very important. But the, um, the what, what what it means to the draft, the teams getting better draft choices, kicking themselves up in the draft choice order, uh, could mean a lot here next week and the following week. Even maybe even more importantly, um, I actually don't have them in front of me laid out. But uh, that's what you have to do. Do a little leg work, and you, you, not only that, it's it's also. Um, the, 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 the real thing here is not only the draft choice, uh, the draft choice spots is the knowing about the teams that are um, COVID, the COVID outages. I don't want to call, call them COVID injuries on the COVID list. Um, I don't, you probably know better than me. Is there, I think there was like 500 people, uh, uh, you know, give or take. On, on the COVID list and pay real co- close attention. You know, I, I read um, Adam Schefter's, I hope I'm saying his name right, his feed all the time. He, he's, he seems to be really up on uh, on everything. He has his little inside information uh, with, with the teams and stuff. So that translates to money because you'll see the lines will move based on key injuries to key players or key positions even. Um, it, it really means something. Obviously, it meant something to last night's game with uh, the Saints and Miami. As Miami, there was a total domination as the Saints quarterback uh, just couldn't do anything. But here's something more importantly, uh, also props. So if you can pay attention to those, if, instead of going after the market sometimes, maybe go after the prop bets instead of going right after the, the win market on the game because, you know, here's what happens sometimes with the games. You know, sometimes players step up. They didn't last night, but sometimes players, they go into another player's shoes and here's their chance to shine, especially in the NBA where, you know, one of the big names is out. Of course, the guy that's stepping into LeBron's shoes can probably start in any other team. So uh, yeah. th- th- there's really – it's it. There's different different situations here that you have to be aware of, and just use some street smart, some common sense to attack these lines and attack these type of bets. Yeah, crack. You're spot on. I mean, you could look to the secondary prop market, even if some of the bigger names on a team are out. Who's going to be that backup that might have a shorter number to take advantage of? And with all the things that you mentioned, playoff implications, playoff positioning, draft order over the next and final two weeks of this NFL season. You sent me a note before you came on this morning talking about how you might be able to take advantage of these opportunities as an advantage gambler. How would you explain that to the casual sports better looking for some good action over these final two weeks of the NFL regular season? Well, listen, I I hate to cost myself money, but I have a big mouth. I know I do. I I, I, I give away too much stuff sometimes, and I I understand that. You, You just have to know like a Camara, what the team's plans is for an Alvin Camara. You have to know the team plans for these players, uh, what they plan to do. There was a backup quarterback that I say backup. I, I believe it was his first start last night on the Saints. I don't think he's ever started an NFL game. I don't even know if he's ever played the NFL game. But I just know that uh, you just have to know that this is a primetime game. The spotlight's on this kid uh, playing in a situation and. You know, um, can he step up? And most of the times, first-time game, the coaching staff, uh, you know, they're, they're probably going to take it a little bit easy on him. But 
Then again, you have to know if they're playing for a playoff spot or if they have a chance for a playoff position. Um, without giving away the house, uh, I'll just tell you, you want to look at those players that are stepping in the shoes and you want to see uh, what their experience has been. How have they been? Uh, maybe you have to go back to their college career. Did they step up for a big bowl game? Did they step up for a big game when they needed to get a better seating for a better bowl? There's a lot of stuff you have to actually go into. Uh, it takes work. This, no one's going to just hand you money, including myself. Um, listen, I give away a lot of nuggets, a lot of low-hanging fruit. I've told you guys here week after week the stuff that these sports books have here in New Jersey. I'm in New Jersey because it's so much. I am, I live in Las Vegas, just to let everyone know that, that doesn't know. I live in Las Vegas. I've been away from my wife the last seven out of nine weeks. Uh, it's not fair to her. However, there's so much money to be made this time of year, um, especially here. Now, I am going back to Vegas uh, uh, for, for uh, the next two weeks. But uh, I'm going back to Vegas. But I'll tell you what, I'm getting right back on a flight and coming right back here for the playoffs because this is the place to be to bet NFL props. There's more ways to bet a game at these sports books here. I'll pick one. Of course, it's going to be the FanDuel. There's more ways to bet sports at, at FanDuel than there are at every single sports book in Vegas cumulatively. There's more ways here to bet. So uh, that, that's, that, there's, there's some really good wisdom there, some good nuggets. Look at those secondary markets. Look at the proposition markets. Look at the, the, the different markets uh, that, that we have here. Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you, um, Ben, uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't worth five, potentially with the Super Bowl, six figures to myself. Yeah, I think it's a great point, Crack. So many different ways to go about it, even in the NFL. Yes, a lot of the focus is side and total for some of the biggest matchups, but so many markets, so many areas for profitability. Bill Krakenberger bringing you that expertise and wisdom each and every Tuesday here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Crack, as always, thank you very, very much for your time. Have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. Hey, listen, hey, uh, happy New Year to you guys and uh, enjoy. Be safe. Don't forget, it's amateur night, New Year's Eve. Stay home with your family. Watch the ball drop. Yeah, absolutely so. And maybe some of those college football playoff semifinals as well. Cincinnati and Alabama in the first game on New Year's Eve. And then Georgia and Michigan to cap it off New Year's Eve night. A part of a week chock full of college football, including five games today. That's start in about five minutes from now. So, of course... Our best bet for this glorious Tuesday in the college football landscape has to be some CFB bowl season. We do that next here on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A great sports Tuesday on this Tuesday. And we have detailed it all here on the morning after. The Tuesday edition, a wonderful program here on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I'm Ben Stevens. There's games in the NBA tonight. We look forward to NFL week number 17. Sure, don't get me wrong. Even some college hoops back in the fold in the high major category. But there are five. 
five college football ball games on this Tuesday, December 28th. It starts in just a couple of minutes in Birmingham between number 20 Houston and Auburn. The next game up, Air Force and Louisville. The first responders bowl. That's my attention for my best bet. It's time for Bye Bye Bye. Some line movement you need to know in this game. Air Force seems like a trendy underdog pick. The Falcons have only been booked as a dog once this year against Boise State. They won that game outright against a Louisville team that's just 3-3 three and three ATS as a favorite this year. Louisville was a one-and-a-half two-point favorite most of the week. Now down to a pick'em game. Still slightly favored are the Cardinals. The over-under is 54-and-a-half. But I'm looking at a team total and an over of 26 and a half for Air Force. Now, Air Force is the top rushing offense in all of college football. They are averaging damn near 340 yards per game on the ground. Of course, a service academy that runs the triple option to perfection, the highest rushing play percentage in all of college football. 87.4% of the plays for Air Force on the ground. Louisville, not a great total defense, giving up 163.5 rushing yards per game. I think Air Force can score. This game is going to be tight. I think the Falcons go over their team total of 26.5. One of five bowl games on this Tuesday. Soak in that glory. The morning after, each and every weekday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Are you one of us? We've just got one question. Do you like games? We do. Do you like winning? What a coincidence.